Where is that man? Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. What the hell is going on? Elfland's proceeding is expected. Oh, really? Do I look like I'm running Wayne Enterprises right now? You're hit on the stock exchange. It didn't work, my friend. And now you have my construction crews going around the city at 24 hours a day. How exactly is that supposed to help my company absorb Wayne's? Believe us. No, stay here. I'm in charge. Do you feel in charge? Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this elegant podcast. And I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this elegant podcast. Think of me as the ring to Dave's Gollum. He's a strange little fellow and I'm precious. Ouch. <laughs> the premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel and finally their dream sequel. And of course we quite often drift off and talk about other things, mostly movie related but sometimes just life in general. And of course sometimes we do like to drop big fat spoilers to films you may or may not have seen but if that happens just Flick ahead, it'll all be alright. And if not, just go out there, check on your pets. They need a good feeding, good pat down. Is that what you do to pets? Not quite sure. <laughs> I can tell you haven't got any pets, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, because uh, on today's episode, we are joined by Chris Gillian. Chris is a brilliant uh, presenter and interviewer. You'll find him on comicbook.com, where he interviews lots of stars and often talks about upcoming sequels getting the gossip about what's coming yes because we are excited to sit down with chris and chat all things sequels with him these are chris killian's unequal sequels enjoy do you remember the first sequel you got excited about oh for sure and it's still to this day one of my favorite sequels in fact i'm going to see it tonight in the theater and i'm so excited uh i'm, I'm driving an hour and a half to go watch it but it's terminator 2 judgment day wow first, yeah first sequel that i ever got really excited about i i remember i wasn't even i think it was just the trailers like complete i was like seven yeah and i shouldn't have been watching terminator at all i hadn't seen the first one but the the trailer for the second one i just was obsessed with it and i finally convinced my mom uh, to let me watch the first one to get ready for it and so yeah. i remember i remember watching it and then it was like and when it came out we had a a video store that um they would only get i lived in a small town so like it, when a when a new movie would come out like you basically have to get put on a waiting list to get the vhs because it would come out for rental before you could actually buy it in the store yeah so uh so i so i remember like it was a big night that like the I still remember being so excited all day long because it was the day that I knew we were going to get to rent Terminator 2 and watch it. And and uh, I, yeah, I had no business watching it at that age, but I did. <laughs> and I loved it. And it, I, I think it fully uh, I, I think it had a lot to do with uh, the man I've become today. I think a lot of people watched it far too young, right? Yeah. Like every everyone watched Terminator 2 way too young. Others like. I think about eight, I think, when I watched it, eight or nine, something like that. And it's so. it's such a perfect sequel. I mean, it is it is everything you could want a sequel to be. I mean, it's it's one of those rare instances. I mean, it builds on the first one, but it 
but it um i mean it just completely takes over and it still holds up so well um, and james cameron specifically and also steven spielberg i think to a lesser degree are, are they're just such masters of how to utilize that old cgi and mix it with practical effects so yeah. it holds mm. up it's it's incredible i mean it's just such a good movie yeah, how long was your yeah. wait for the v- VHS? What? How long? I on I don't remember. I know I know that it was probably at least a couple of days, a couple oh. of weeks maybe. But I, I don't know. But I know that we knew what date we were gonna get it, and 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 I remember that day. I mean, and I had a I had a very Christian babysitter, and so I remember my babysitter. I was at her house that day, and she was like, "We're gonna watch Terminator Two tonight," and she was not happy, did not support it at all. But uh, I didn't care. I think I had the exact opposite of a babysitter because I'm pretty sure I watched Terminator Two with a babysitter who's probably like like a 15 year old kid who's like just like yeah sorry watch watch whatever you want (laughs) no my my babysitter at the time had like two kids that were like just a little younger than me so she was she was older she wasn't like she's probably older than my mom to be honest so right uh so yeah she i remember she she was I, she just had this like scowl on her face every time I brought up the fact that I was going to watch Terminator 2. And I just didn't understand why she wasn't more excited for me. <laughs> I, or do I? Uh, I'm guessing she never watched the first one. When you when your mum watched the first one and thought it was appropriate you for to rent the second one, did she know what you were going into? Like, Yeah, I, I think so. I've been told that Terminator was actually technically the first movie that I ever saw. I don't remember it. I was a ba- I was a baby and they went to the drive-in to watch the first Terminator. So she was well aware of what Terminator was. Um, and, and actually, I watched the first Terminator. I watched Terminator and Robocop 2. I remember we rented it the same night, but I was actually with my grandpa who let me watch it. And so I wasn't, I did not watch uh, the first Terminator with my mom. It was my grandpa. My grandpa made me cover my eyes in the uh, the old sex scene, <laughs> which so, so that was... Uh, that's I, that's I remember that I remember being like oh I it's it's uh I think I saw a nipple I got to close my eyes now and uh... <laughs> I love it made you close your eyes for a nipple but not the nuclear war bit you know no. it's, it's fine or, you or can, the police yeah. like no no that was fine and and I remember RoboCop two having the most atrocious language like I remember I was like oh man so many words I was not allowed to say I mean I would have just got hit across the face if I'd repeated anything that I heard in RoboCop two. Yeah, you you mentioned there that you uh, you went to a drive-through. Sadly, in England, we don't really have nah, them. Not a thing. They're not a thing. Oh, really? They don't have drive-ins. The once nah. once in a while they put I mean, them the up. The weather's in a, too yeah, bad. Basically, it rains. Just, yeah, they they <laughs> they've sort of gone out of style even here in America, which is too bad because they're a lot of fun. Yeah, but there is there there are like one or two in driving distance that you can still go to here. So, uh, and they'll usually do like double headers, right? It's like a two movie thing. So you just pay to go in and, and it, it starts at dusk. As soon as the sun starts going down, uh, they, they play the first one and then, you know, they have like a little 15 minute intermission and then they start the second one. It's great. I would love that. Sounds so good. Sorry to be an idiot, but how does the sound get into the car? It's it's usually radio, right? right so okay. you tune into a radio station that's playing the audio of the movie. Yeah. That's what I always thought. I presume that's what it was. I thought it was like a little box like, that... <laughs> now some some of them do right but i th- i think that um over the years i think it's been easier for them to just jump on like an am radio station and they play the audio that way yeah which would be kind of cool if you were in, like if you if you were somebody who just like listening to movies and you live next to a drive-in you could just kind of <laughs> yeah. tune in every weekend just be like what movie am i listening to today yeah 
Also, you said earlier that you are about to drive like one and a half hours to watch Terminator 2 tonight. Yeah. Uh, why? Where? What, what makes you do that? Just that's dedication. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And, and it, you know, I've seen it in theaters. Uh, I took my son to watch it when I think it was the, uh, uh, when was it? This is three or four years ago. They had a re-release in theaters for like yeah, a yeah. couple of days. And, and I took my son to go watch it. And I mean, it's just so much fun. It's, it's so much fun to watch old movies, especially old movies that you missed in the theaters, mm. like to go back and get a chance to watch them. There's just something different about watching it on the big screen. Even when you You've seen it. It's it's so much fun. I remember one time I got to go see Bloodsport. Uh, I watched Bloodsport in in a in a packed nice. theater with everybody else who loves Jean Claude Van Damme oh. as much as I do, and it was the coolest thing ever. I had so much fun. And there's there's nothing to be said about. It. I, I like that theaters are starting to get into this habit of like re-releasing movies and showing old movies uh, in yeah. theaters because there's something to be said about going and and, and watching it, uh, you know, on the big screen. Bloodsport is another one that I watched with that irresponsible babysitter when I was like eight years old what a great movie <laughs> great baby bloodsport yeah. gave us street fighter and so many great mortal Kombat. so many great things were inspired by bloodsport yeah. what a classic i do get bloodsport and kickboxer a little bit muddled up to be That's honest okay. I, I i am more of a bloodsport guy uh between the two but i like both of them i'm i mean john claude's got his little dance that he does in kickboxer that you know is just pretty amazing yeah I can see behind you got a Return of the Jedi poster. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you go and see the re-release that when they played that on a big screen recently? Oh, of course, of course. It's the it's I, I like it the most. Uh, people get mad at me for that because I like it more than Empire. Uh, but <laughs> you're I, in good company. That's you're you're, you're correct, same. Chris. <laughs> it's just I look, I just like the closure. I love the happy ending. It feels I mean, you get the you get Darth, you know, turning good. And, and it's just there's so much good stuff about it that I just think it's a more fun movie than Empire. I love Empire. It's not to say I don't love Empire. I love Empire, but it's it feels like a piece of the story. Right. It's like the middle and then you get the mm-hmm. end. And it's very rare that i think like there's a there's a lot of instances i think where the middle parts of a trilogy are the best and because you, you know you build it up so well that you, it can never really like yeah you don't get the proper closure like they just they just don't stick the landing as well but return of the jedi does so i think it's a for for me it's a better movie because of that you're totally correct um have you <laughs> been put off by all the george lucas touch-ups or is the original original your favorite cut or do you not mind anakin as hayden no, I would prefer the original cuts. I think I I don't like going back and touching up things. Like I understand going up and touching up like like if there's like um like just little mess ups or something. Like if you spot yeah. something after the fact that like like for example, and it's not a movie, but like when Game of Thrones had the Starbucks cup, oh yes, you know, yes. on the table, you want to go back and 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 cut that out, like. I support that. That's fine. I I totally understand you wanting to do that. But just going back and and messing with certain things like there's some, and some of the things that George Lucas has added into these movies is like so corny and they don't they don't hold up at all. I mean, Anakin is one thing like that that doesn't bother me as much though. It, but it's weird because like why isn't everybody else young? Why is Anakin now the yeah, only young force? That's what ghost? I said. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's like nah. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing I can think about touching up now is this whole de-aging process. Like, I would like them to go back and touch up Rogue One uh, because we had Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny recently and it's getting there. 
but it yeah. is it's not perfect i would totally allow them to kind of few years have you seen back. dial of destiny yet yes yeah. i haven't seen it I I, oh. I I still have not seen it i i just haven't i haven't had time i'm hoping to go i'm actually going on vacation uh this weekend we're going down to orlando and uh i'm i'm gonna go try to watch it while i'm while i'm down there so no spoilers from it's- us then no, no, no spoilers. All I'll say is... What a couple of gentlemen. I loved it. I really enjoyed <laughs> like, it. I loved it. Oh, good. Like, yes. I was so, so happy coming out. I really enjoyed I've, it. I've heard mixed things, but I have a couple yeah. of buddies who love indie as much as I do. And he, you know, they've been very like, it's so good. Like, I don't understand why anybody who loves Indiana Jones should love this movie. So that's all I need. So I'm, I'm probably yeah. going to love it as well. So, yeah, when I was five, I wanted to be Indiana Jones more than anything in the world. And my dad had to pull me aside and say, that's not what an archaeologist does. You know, you get, you don't get a whip, you get a little brush. Like, you know, like ruin my dreams. Yeah, like watch the first, like the first, I don't know, five or ten minutes of Jurassic Park. And that's a little bit more. That's more like it. That's yeah. more like it. What an archaeologist does. Yeah. Just sweeping off dino bones. What is your favorite sequel ever? I th- I mean, I think we've sort of answered this, right? I think that it, for, it's Terminator 2, I think it's just a perfect action movie. I still think that like to this day, I, I mean, it does everything that a sequel should do as far as, like I said, it, it builds on the on the first one. And and, and the, the twist is just the, 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 like making Arnold the bad guy in the first one and the way that they twist him to be the, the good guy in the new one. But then also like the bad guy is a police officer. I mean, just the whole... The, the the way they play with the roles there is just it, it's fantastic i think it was ruined by the marketing but i think that the intention i think james cameron really intended for you not to know that arnold was the good guy at first i mean you can see the way the story is built that you can't tell you know you kind of think that the cop the guy that ends up you know yeah. is the one that's going to be the good guy and then it spins yeah. and you realize that Arnold's actually the hero in this. Uh, it's just masterful. Um, but if, if I was to not go with Terminator 2, I would say The Dark Knight. Um, the Dark Knight is just, I mean, that is also just, what what a great sequel. I mean, so, so good. I love The Dark Knight so much, but that's sort of like when we were talking earlier about how the third don't stick the landing. Yeah. Like The Dark Knight, I love it. I mean, and it's one of those movies like Shawshank Redemption that anytime it's on, I'll just sit down and I'll watch it because, I mean, Heath is just so mesmerizing in that movie. But um, it, but it, Dark Knight Rises makes me so sad because I know that's not what they had planned. Like they had a whole other script plan that like Joker, you know, was a big part of. And so that after Heath's death, the fact that they had to drop it and do something else entirely Sorry. from scratch makes me just sad because I, I, I want to know. I want to know what the plan was for that original third one, and I and I bet it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I think yeah, we got, we got that question coming. <laughs> so let's talk about Dark Knight and Batman Begins. So were you a big fan of Batman Begins? Are you a big Batman? Well, I can see from the back, you're behind. Yeah, yeah, you're oh, a massive yeah. Batman fan. That's the I'm a question. massive Batman fan. Batman is the first movie that I recall seeing in theaters. Uh, it was Batman in uh, 1989. It was a double header. It was, uh, I, I saw Ghostbusters 2 first. Wow. And then, yeah, so Ghostbusters 2 was the like technically the first movie that I remember seeing. But my my biggest memory from that night is that we had a small, like a the closest theater to the small town I grew up in was like 45 minutes away. So me and my mom and dad went to the, the theater 
and they, we had this double header. It was Ghostbusters 2 and then Batman. But then the lights came up after the credits rolled on Ghostbusters 2 and the ushers going around like checking the tickets and making sure that like the people that have tickets for Batman can stay and watch Batman. And my dad is like being like, oh, no, oh, no, like, I don't have the tickets. Oh, like no. we've lost the tickets. and I'm like a five year old just freaking out. I'm like, we are here to see Batman. What are you talking about? You don't have the tickets. And he was just messing with me. But uh, <laughs> I rem- like I remember like my dad really stressing me out about uh, the fact that we the usher is going to find out we don't have the tickets for Batman and they're going to kick us out and we're not going to get to see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so me and Batman, we go way back. Um, but yes, I love Batman Begins. I saw Batman Begins in IMAX uh, in Nashville. Uh, I And I, I was with my brothers and my mom. And then uh, and then for Dark Knight, I remember uh, I was actually on my I was going to I was going to Florida for vacation when it came out. And I, I missed the midnight showing. Like I missed getting tickets for it. So yeah. I ended up getting tickets to like a 3 a.m. showing. So wow. yeah, one so of those people. I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely not so much anymore. Uh, but I used to be one of those people for sure who would like go as late. And I've worked at a movie theater as well, right? I was a projectionist for a little while. And so I, I really grew to, to hate uh, midnight showings. I was like, God dang, there's like King Kong's <laughs> out now. I gotta I'll be here till four in the morning. It's uh but but yeah, no, it's um I, I did I did see I, I did see Batman Begins and I did see Dark Knight. And I love both of those movies. I think they're both fantastic, but I think Dark Knight is uh a better movie. Yeah. Did you buy into the whole build up? Like I know when they first announced Heath Ledger was gonna be Joker, everyone went lost their I minds. Was, and not I in a good so way. I was so mad. I was so <laughs> mad. Really? I, yeah, because at the time every there was rumors I remember, and this was before I was ever working with comicbook.com. So I was purely just a fan. Yeah. And and I remember like everybody was sort of like wanting Johnny Depp. I remember like that seems to be the name that in my memory like sticks out as we thought it was going to be like, we're going to get someone like Johnny Depp or whatever. And then Mm. when it was Heath Ledger, I remember just being like the cowboy guy like that, like (laughs) what? And I, but I I have never questioned a fan casting ever since then. Cause I remember, I remember when the teaser came out and it's the, it's the bat symbol with the blue fire, like blowing behind it. And you, you, we don't see any footage. We only hear Heath's voice and then the laugh afterwards. Yeah. His whole performance in that film is just only once in a while does a performance come across like that. It's, I can't remember something like it. It's incredible. I mean, it's so, I think it's so easy to lose touch of how great it is because it was, it's been mimicked so much mm. now. Like, you know, if you, mm. you see episodes of The Office where they're dressing up like Heath Ledger's Joker and you've seen, <laughs> we've seen it ripped off in, in various forms. So, but, but to be there, like, and watch this performance, like when it came out, and and especially with the sort of the added mystique on of like like he passed away you know and this is one of his final great performances yeah um, I mean it was just it was incredible I mean it was incredible to watch in real time it really was uh, what's your favorite scene from it oh, oh, try and do that that's a hard question dude I I think I I literally think that every time Heath Ledger's on camera it's just like he steals the whole movie yeah uh, oh yeah definitely but yeah. but probably. Probably when he shows up with the table of the gangsters yeah. is probably yeah. my favorite scene when he really makes his 
his entrance and the 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 pencil trick and every, all of that stuff combined and and just how he just sort of owns those guys like these are the most dangerous men in gotham and and he just <laughs> he just is like he's just playing with them and i just i mean it it, it really encapsulates who the character is I think um, probably with the close second being the Batman Joker interrogation scene. I mean, that's oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's classic. So both of those scenes are probably probably the ones that I would pick that I, I would say that. I mean, sometimes I'll go on YouTube and I'll just watch those scenes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about Christian Bale in this film? How do you feel him as a, as a Batman? Because he kind of gets sign-lighted in his own movie. Yeah, I, I mean, but that sort of happens with Batman in general, right? Batman is the straight man to the villains. He always has been. Yeah. It's always been an issue. It's very, I think it's very hard for Batman to be the, the. I mean, you even see it like now with Robert Pattinson, like Colin Farrell steals that movie. The, it's always been a situation where the villains sort of take, you know, take uh, take the lead. And, um, but I think Christian Bale is a great Batman. Um, the voice is a little hokey. I don't think the voice ages super well. Um, but mm. I think that it's only, again, I think it's only because it's been parodied so much since then. Yeah, that's true. It's the, it's the parody since, isn't it? That have kind of made it kind of a little, well, the same, th- yeah, the same yeah, thing happens to the matrix. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I yeah. think that when, but when you put it in the context, like frame it in that context of like when it came out, I think that it, and it was awesome. It, it yeah. was awesome. Mm. Have you uh, showed your uh, children the dark? Well, I only have one child, but yes. Have course. you showed your child? Of course. Of what age yeah. do you go for it? Like, is five too early? Uh, no, I was showing him everything that, like, that I thought. <laughs> You're like was, Rich. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like me. <laughs> I, I no, I, I mean, it's weird, right? Because that, like, the violent stuff really never it didn't affect me. I would like. I would not show him. I wouldn't show my kids sexual stuff like if yeah, it was yeah. sexualized movies. I wouldn't. You know, we we would stay away from that. But like when it came to like yeah. any anything, anything comic book related, yeah, I would show him. Like we would we we were watching all that stuff before he could speak. <laughs> <laughs> I get told off by my wife for letting him watch inappropriate stuff. So. It- she comes home and he's like daddy let me watch the venom movie it's my favorite and i'm like oh god don't tell her well, that. at least that's pg-13 <laughs> i mean you know yeah, yeah it's fine I, I i was i remember like i think i traumatized my kid accidentally by letting him watch child's play too early but and and i which is sort of a rite of passage because i was traumatized by watching child's play because i remember <laughs> yeah. my grandma showed yeah. child's play which my grand is the funniest thing. Like my grandma was like, you know, she wouldn't even say fart. She would like make me say like break wind. Like she like she's the most uptight person that I know. But she would let me watch the worst horror movies. I never understood, you know, the the rationale behind this. But she showed me Child's Play when I was really young, and I remember being so scared that I was hiding behind the couch, like sort yeah. of half watching it because I'm so terrified of this movie. And so when I was trying to tiptoe my son into horror movies, we're watching like the old, the old black and white universal monster movies, right? We're watching like Frankenstein yeah. and, the uh, yeah. and things like that. And so I, and I, and, and so I, I have like this huge collection of like DVDs and Blu-rays. And for some reason, Child's Play just, it was one of those movies that he was just in, like he was obsessed with it. He's always every time I'd be like, "Go pick out a movie. Let's go watch a movie." He would bring me Child's Play, and I'd be like, "No, we're not watching Child's Play. Like, put it up. Like, that's you're not old enough yet." And it would. This went on for months, months where he would like bring me Child's Play, and he wants to watch that. 
and and then and so we're watching some i don't remember what we what we watched but we were watching one of the the more tame horror movies and he just gets so mad at the end of he's like nothing scares me and i'm and and so and he starts like goading he's like no movie these no movies scare me he's like <laughs> and so and i'm like and he keeps like trying to bring me child's play and i'm like no something you know, like that's too much but he d- just reverse psychology like like re- he uses Genius. reverse psychology on me he's like five and he's like <laughs> he's like none of these crappy movies you're showing me are scary and i'm like fine we'll watch this one <laughs> and so we we put on child's play and he's way too young i don't know he's probably like six i'm such a bad dad he's like six or something and and we watched the whole movie and the credits are rolling and i was and he's like as soon as it goes it's like nothing scares me and i'm like really i was like that didn't scare you and he just busts out into tears and he goes it scared me <laughs> and i was like oh no i just let it i just i just got bossed around by a six-year-old and now he's now i've traumatized him letting him watch this movie but no he's but he's great uh he's he's actually 16 now he's a great kid wow. he's out well i know i know so um so that yeah that it, you know i almost think that like I don't know. I, I I like the fact that I was introduced to some of these movies early. I don't know. I you know. Yeah. I, I I guess I don't have any basis of like whether or not it it helped or hindered me in any way. But I, well, I it's, held, it's helped for the job, Chris. Look, I think so. I, yeah. I think so. And he's you know, and he's real crafty when it comes to movies. Like he, you know, he's on Letterboxd and he's catching up to me. You know, I think I have like three thousand movies or something that I've watched, and he's like over two thousand now, and he's just. He's just now he's just chiming. He'll 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 text me every night. Um, if we're if we're not together, like last night he was with me and we watched uh 65. And then um okay. but if we're not together, like he'll text me what movies he's watching and he'll tell me what he thinks of them afterwards. And he's just a regular old little movie critic now. That's amazing. Nice. So you started him early on his uh the cinematic awakening. Yeah, absolutely. He knows his stuff. <laughs> what age did he realize that films could be bad though? This is one of my like, do you know what I mean? What age did you work out films could be bad? Could be a better question for you. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what age he he started realizing that. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's a great question. I should ask him. I don't even know if I know that about myself. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know when there was just there's just movies that I liked, and and then there's movies that I that I didn't like, and 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 I and I have come to like the most like the 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 my baseline is just is do I want to rewatch it again? Like, that's all I, that's all I will say. I can always, there's always something about a movie I can admire, whether it's a a certain performance or special effects or, or whatever. There's usually something that I can take away from it. But at the end of the day, I, it's like, am I okay never watching this again? Or is it something I would like to rewatch in the future? And that's, that's really, it's, it's as simple as that for me. Yeah. That was my baseline. I would like about fifty movies because I just I never watch movies again. I just yeah, <laughs> one and done. Well, and then there's <laughs> yeah, sorry. I guess that's true because there's some movies like like Schindler's List, for example. Like that's a great movie. What a great movie! I never need to watch yeah. it ever again. No, never. No, no, no. It's brilliant. Like I never need to watch Citizen Kane again. Yeah, I never really need to watch The Godfather Part Two again. I've done it. Yeah, Passion of the Christ. Like nah, yeah. once was enough. Nah, that was ticked it off. <laughs> really well made. Let's never do this again. How often? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How often do you watch um, The Dark Knight? Then, uh I would. I would guess I've seen The Dark Knight probably 
25 times at this point. Yeah, a lot. I've seen it a lot. It's one of those films that even if it's mm-hmm. on TV and you're walking past and you just sit down and then the next thing you know, you finished it and you're like, yep. oh, <laughs> but it really is. Yeah, that that and and Terminator Two, they're both they're both like that for me. RoboCop's another one, though. If we're if we're sticking to sequels, yeah, yeah I, I mean Terminator Two and, and Dark Knight for sure are definitely definitely my go to sequels. They're my favorite. Um, how do you feel about the the Joel Schumacher Batman's? While we're on Batman's and we're talking about good ones, <laughs> is I not and, you know I think the Joel Schumacher would have really benefited from the idea that this is a separate universe but we didn't really have that back in the day no, you know yeah. so it was still connected to i think if you were going in expecting michael keaton's batman and that tone and the tim burton's aesthetic and everything i i, I think that i think if there was like an audience awareness of like this is a different thing it probably would have been better uh, and I do look at it like that now, but at the time, it really it was just it was supposed to be a sequel to Michael Keaton's Batman, but it's just got a different director and it's got a different Batman. But it, this is for all practical purposes, this is the same guy. Yeah. So I hate, yeah, I hated him. I really <laughs> like as a, I remember being so excited for Batman Forever and being like, "What did I just watch?" Like I remember like feeling that way as like a I don't know eleven year old kid at the time. Oh wow, yeah. So so it was. It was a uh, no. I, I don't. I don't love them. I don't love them very much. No. No one does. It's okay. When it comes to two thousand and five, <laughs> and they're they're really doing, the, they're like making more Batman's. And at this point, Nolan's done some pretty good films. Memento's pretty good. Bale's mm-hmm. been all right. Were you excited at that point, or were you like, what kind of tone are we gonna have? Or I'm always excited when they're when, when they're redoing something, um, especially when it d- doesn't end on a on a great note, right? If yeah. they're they're bringing it like Christian Bale, I could have seen three more movies with Christian Bale's Batman. So I'm also a Batman guy who like I wasn't I wasn't super excited for Ben Affleck's Batman because I'm I'm a I like Batman when he's he's the oddity right when he's like right he's the special thing but when when you start throwing in superman and wonder woman and the justice league then for me it starts to get a stretch because i'm like well batman would be dead in like four seconds (laughs) so if batman's truly just a normal dude who just has some cool gadgets then he's dead he this doesn't work for me then so i always prefer when batman's sort of on his own yeah. So so for that, so I wasn't super excited for the Ben Affleck thing, but I was really excited for the Robert Pattinson stuff because I was, you know, once again, I was like, okay, so Batman is like, it, he's he's the you know he's the 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 anomaly in Gotham City. I, I prefer that. Yeah. And did you like the new Batman film? I did like the new Batman film. I I liked the tone of it. I liked. Um, uh, I thought Robert Pattinson did a good job. I wish that he was a little bit more. Bruce Wayne-esque, but I think they're building to that. So I'm excited to see his version of like the dapper yeah, sort yeah. of Bruce Wayne and not the emo guy that we got. Um yeah. but but I liked his Batman. I thought his Batman was really yeah. well done. Um so yeah, I'm excited to see what they where they go with it. I think that's where Bale does really good in the Dark Knight. I really enjoy his performance as Bruce Wayne, probably yeah. a little bit more than Batman. To be honest, I do too. I've always said I think Michael Keaton is the best Batman for me. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. really got the, he he nailed the voice in a lower register that sort of like hits Batman, but it's not cartoony at all. You, it's hard to make fun of it. Um, but Christian Bale 
really doing like he's essentially playing Patrick Bateman, right? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. his Bruce Wayne <laughs> yeah. is like Patrick Bateman because it's a facade that he's putting on this really snarky, like mm, snob kind of guy when he's not that, you know, that he's not that guy at all. Uh, I think his Bruce Wayne is fantastic. I don't think anybody can touch Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. I've got a little question. So this is not attached to your worst ever sequel, even though I think it's going to answer that quiz question. But what is the most disappointing sequel? So it's not your worst sequel, but it's one you went into really hyped and you came out and just felt a little bit let down. So it's not a bad film. It doesn't have to be a bad film. Definitely Dark Knight Rises. I knew it was going to be your worst. Yeah, yeah. That's (laughs) Yeah. That's the first one. That's the first one that pops into mind as far as just disappointing. Like yeah, yeah. it's got stuff about the movie that I really like. Like I, I think Tom Hardy's Bane is fantastic, especially when you consider he's following Heath Ledger. Like that's a that's yeah. a that's that's hard. That's that's hard for anybody to do. And I think that he did similarly a good job with taking a very uh, original like a swing at the character. Um, but yeah, that movie. It, when I just think about like what could have been. It makes it a little sad for me. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people are down on the on Bane, aren't they? And his his uh, his funny voice, his Tom Hardy. I don't voice think it's ba- I don't think it's Bane's, Bane's fault that that movie kind of is a little bit of a train wreck. But um, yeah, but it is, but it's not. It's when you like. I remember watching that movie, and I loved it when I first watched it. Um, hmm. But it was one of those movies that, like, an hour or two later, as I started thinking about it, hmm. I was like. Mm, I don't know if I love this as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Like I started like yeah. thinking about like holes and things that didn't really make sense for me. And, and, and I, I just kind of, and, and things that I wish they would have done. Like there were like, I, I was always in the camp of like Harvey Dent didn't die. Like, especially when it shows, you know, uh, Maroney get dropped, you know, from the same height. Yeah. I think that, I, I thought that was Nolan like purposefully setting up that like, there's an explanation. There's a reason why, like Harvey's not dead. I think that I thought Harvey was still going to be alive. And the fact that they never even, they never brought him back. And it's just this like sheet of paper. That's got this, like, like the Banes. I don't know. There's just a lot of like really convenient storytelling in, in dark Knight rises that I don't think, I don't think really holds up. Do you think there's a script out there somewhere where Heath Ledger was alive and they had it mapped out properly with maybe Harvey Dent or whatever. I don't, I don't know about a full script, but I definitely think that there was, uh, I, I think they knew where they were going. I think there was a whole other story in place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, cause you know, a lot of times they don't start the script writing process until after the movie is a success. And, you know, he died before the movie even came out. So I, so I, I, I don't think there, I don't think there's a full script. But I definitely think there is. I think there was a um, sort of a what's the word? I'm a treatment. A treatment. Yeah, yeah, I think there was. I think I definitely think they knew where they were going. Yeah, mm. it's the build up to it. How yeah. how excited were you for it? Were you buying into it? Or did you go and watch the the uh, the the prologue before whatever film it was? Probably Mission Impossible at that point. I think it was Mission Impossible. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't. But only because I, I'm somebody who likes to watch as little as possible before I go into the movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly the same. If I can avoid a trailer, I will. I usually, yeah, I usually do. The, some of my the most fun I've had at the theater has been going in blindly, not like going off a poster. Like that's my favorite thing to do, which is weird because I'm in the business of like 
like talking about news about trailers and so on and so forth. Yeah. But if I can, if I can avoid it, I I try to avoid it. I'm I'm definitely a big yeah. like. Oh, I love this poster. Let's go check it out. Like everything, everywhere, all at once is a good example of a movie that I didn't watch any. I went into it completely blind and 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 just it just blew me away. Like not knowing anything about it and then watching that without having any context for what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. Awesome. I just love that movie. I did that with um with I did that with Prometheus. I went into that like totally like did you not even know that it was it. like an alien prequel? No. Oh, no, that's awesome. nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing about it. And then like halfway through I'm like, holy shit, this is an alien movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think that's why I kind of like it. Like, like I know no one else does. It's just me on my own. No, no, no. We're we're, we're right there. I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I'm on the opposite <laughs> camp. I had a I met a guy who was working at Pinewood at the time on the sets for Prometheus, and I was like, oh, it's not an alien movie. He's like, it's an alien movie. I'll let you know now. It's an alien movie. I was like, really? He's like, I've seen the alien. Yeah, I've seen it on set. Oh, and that was before. Awesome. The, yeah, I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I watched the movie and I went, oh, that sucks. Uh, it wasn't a, <laughs> I wasn't a fan. Um, going back to your poster theory, do you think that's because we're from a generation of we didn't have the internet, we didn't have like easy accessible, this like tidal wave of information coming out? All we had going from is like, a poster or a VHS yeah. cover or maybe a blurb. Yeah, no, I, I mean, definitely. I, the only at the times, uh, you know, back back in the '90s when I was a kid, it, it was like you either you saw trailers before a movie at the movie theater, or you might catch one on TV. You know, you might catch mm. a TV spot or or on the VHS. You know, before the movie would start, like that's the only time you saw trailers. You couldn't just whip up YouTube and 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 watch it whenever you want or, or or you know or even like study it once you did see it like that wasn't really a thing so uh i i think i think that's yeah i think that that's definitely the case and um and i don't know and i've just had so many good experiences like not because the trailers now especially modern day trailers are they're so notorious for trying to they give away the big parts of the movie yeah. in order to pull the audience in. And that's the most disappointing thing for me. Like for the flash, like I, you know, as a guy who just adores Michael Keaton's Batman, like literally every of like every one of his big lines are in the trailers. Like all of his big moments. Mm. There was nothing in the movie that we that they that they held for the audience. Nothing. Yeah. And and that's a huge disappointment as somebody who was like excited to see him back. All I got was a little bit more context of the story, but I mean, everything, everything was in the trailers. Yeah. So I don't have this work from, from the Dark Knight Rises, because if you watch the trailers and the material, it might give you more of a sense that it wasn't going to be the movie you thought it was going to be. Or So when, you know, we for the trailers and the, the prologue, we heard Bane, do his Tom Hardy impression, you know, the rah, rah, rah thing. <laughs> uh, I like how it's Bane doing his Tom I got it the wrong way around. I, hope, <laughs> I was hoping I was going to notice. I can edit that. I'm the editor. It's fine. Um, so I think we all knew the going in that, well, when I say we all, I knew because there'd been all this hoo-ha about his voice and stuff. But did you not know anything about that? Did you just like, I'm staying away from it? I had heard the stories about how much everybody hated his voice because they couldn't understand him in the prologue when they released that. Um, I had heard, I'd heard that, but, but other than that, 
I don't remember for sure if I had seen a trailer leading up to it or not. I think that I had. I'm pretty sure I knew what I was going into when I when I saw Dark Knight Rises. Um, and yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't remember to be to be honest. Was it a midnight screening you went to? Was it? No, it wasn't actually. By the by the time 2012 rolled around, I was I was I was doing a. Uh, I remember I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because I had uh, stand-up shows that week, and so uh, the first chance I got, it wasn't a midnight showing, but because I I think I had a show that I was doing around the time that it was coming out. Right. The next morning, I remember I got tickets to the IMAX, so I went and saw it like ten in the morning on a like a Thursday or something like that. Nice. Was yeah. it? Was it? Was it? Do you remember if it was a busy screening? Yeah, it was busy. Yeah, I do remember that. It was busy. Did people have fun in it? Did people enjoy it? Because I remember being my screen and it, it well, the air I, went out. There was quickly. also, I mean, the there was the 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 shooter thing happened too. Oh shit! You yeah. know, so the 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 guy who I don't remember his name, but the guy who shot up the theater in I think it was Colorado, that oh. that that mass murder thing happened, and during the Dark Knight Rises, and yeah. I, that gave the movie seen in theater gave it a real eeriness. Uh, that mm. was problematic. Um, so I remember being. I remember feeling uncomfortable at the time. I don't remember like a certain, like a lot of details, but I do remember for like a year after that, especially like in the dark Knight rises, which I'm pretty sure I saw in theaters, like at least twice. I remember all like feeling just weird about it. Yeah. yeah I could imagine that being an unpleasant experience. Yeah. Um, we can't really relate to that in this country. It, yeah. No, good for you. That's it's, yeah, it's insane. Yeah. We get them, we get them daily now. It's oh. like it's becoming a part of everyday life and it's, it's horrible and horrifying. And uh, yeah, I don't want to get political. So uh, yeah, I was about to say the worst in my cinema is, is people talking behind me or, you know, once someone took their shoes off and put their feet between the aisles kind of thing. That was, man, those were the days. Yeah. yeah. No shoe. Yeah. I mean that. Um, so how often do you do you revisit the Dark Knight Rises? Is it something you've gone back to going? Not not often. I've seen it a couple times uh, since in, in the years past, but it's definitely one of those movies that I, I I'll watch Batman Begins and I'll watch the Dark Knight. I I usually just skip on on Dark Knight Rises. Honestly, lately the, I, I my interviews have blown up so much since like around 2020 is really mm. when I got like started taking off and like interviewing a ton of people. I'm honestly so busy now that I don't get to revisit a lot of things that I love in general. I'm all, I like, if it's not something that I'm having to watch for work, uh, I, a lot of times I don't get to see it. I mean, that's one reason why I haven't seen Indiana Jones yet. Yeah. I mean, I used to be somebody who would be there on a midnight screening, but now if, if I'm not doing the junket for it, or if I'm not doing the interviews, then, then I, you know, I, and usually I've watched something like weeks before it comes out and then yeah. and then by the time it comes out and everybody's excited and talking about it i'm already like having to prep for the next things that are coming out mm. so i feel like mentally i've already moved on from the so i i it, so it's it's this weird uh thing where i don't get to be excited with everybody in, in oh. a lot of ways when it comes to a, a film like the dino rises size like that, that size of film how early do you like critics get to watch that like that is that like you don't get to watch it at all or it depends on if it's good or not (laughs) okay (laughs) if the studio really believes in it like a lot of times you'll get to see things like a month sometimes two months in advance um if they don't you know it might be like a week maybe you know they'll let you have it and then you always can tell 
you know, if a movie's going to be like good or bad based on like when the embargo is up, right? Where we can talk about it. Like once, the, if the embargo is like, like in the middle of the night, like the day before the movie comes out <laughs> or, so, or the day the movie's coming out, like you're going to be like, oh, this is, this is going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, if they, re- if, if studios really believe that they've got a good movie on their hands, you know, that embargo will be up, you know, weeks before the movie comes out. So. Do you think that's that backfired on the flash though? Because I felt like everyone had seen yeah, the flash before I, I, the flash I, I came think- out. I definitely think it backfired and I didn't like the flash. I've been pretty forthcoming about the fact that I think that movie was not great. I definitely think that like when you've got a James Gunn, like calling it like the greatest, one of the greatest superhero films ever made. I mean, I think you, if you say something like that, you gotta, I mean, it better be. (laughs) And I don't think, I just don't think it was. I think that it, I think in a lot of ways, I think that it was, I think it was just a lot of hype. I don't think it's a bad movie. Uh, per se but it's not one of the greatest superhero movies ever made oh no it's definitely not no and especially i gotta say especially and this is something i don't think they plan for but especially post spider-verse like having across the spider-verse come out like two or three weeks beforehand really hurt them because across the Mm spider-verse is incredible (laughs) yeah it's so good and it handles the multiverse so well that i i think that to go from that and it's even guardians volume three like to go from guardians volume three across the spider-verse just two knockout punches and then and you know i just think that i i think the hype was too great for the flash i don't think it could live up to it yeah so i went into the flash sort of the opposite way around going and going oh god this is going to be terrible i don't really want to watch this and came out going Oh, it's all right. That's how I went into <laughs> the okay. Eternals. I ended up not. I don't hate the Eternals because I was like, God, this movie's gonna suck. Yeah. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is not too bad. So I think Man. the lesson we can learn is that if we go into every movie thinking it's gonna be straight garbage, you just let yourself get pleasantly surprised. Is that yeah. where we went wrong with the Dark Knight Rises? Because we went in with like the highest I, of high hopes. Probably. Oh, for sure. I think that definitely happened. I mean, it was never gonna coming after the Dark Knight. I no. just. It was an impossible time. Not without Heath. Yeah. Without, like, if Heath had been involved, I think that we probably would have got something that might have hit at that same level. But I, I I, think that knowing Heath wasn't involved and and the fact that, like, they they had to sort of change course, uh, I, I, I'll always be, I'll always be sad and wonder, like, what if? Like, that would, you know. What is the bit of the film that really doesn't work for you, though? What is the? Can you put the like, your finger on it? In in which movie? The Dark Knight Rises. Like, yeah, just just the plot in general. I think moves too fast. Um, I I think the fact that they, you know, Bane breaks his and and again, I'm I'm forgive me, I'm sort of paraphrasing. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but yeah. I I think that breaking his back and then the weird you know and then they send him to the weird island or prison or whatever the thing throws <laughs> yeah, up the, in and then the hole and then he you know he fixes his back on his own and he escapes but then he's just right back in gotham city uh there's just the plot leaves out some some context i think that really hinders the movie in some ways and like i said and i already mentioned the harvey dent thing that was another issue that i i really think they just they really set up a lot of good stuff with Harvey Dent uh, that I think sort of gets glossed over in Rises yeah. that I was disappointed by. How about the Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, storyline? Yeah, Robin. That one's, that, that's weird too. That, I mean, it, it's okay. It's fine. A little, It's like a little nod to him, but, but taking a character who doesn't really exist in the comics and 
I it's just and the fact that he you know like that whole Joseph Gordon like that's sort of what I mean about some some of the plot issues is that like now you say that it's like making me remember things but like when Joseph Gordon Levitt comes in (laughs) and he's like he's like I know you're Batman because I know what orphans look like and I'm just (laughs) like what what that's how you know like that it's just there's some weird stuff in there that I don't and the Robin line at the end yeah I was just gonna say the the when he says his name's Robin at the end you're like oh shut up yeah yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't work for me. I do have to ask you about the ending. How do you cuz do you think he's alive or dead? The whole Alfred I think he's alive. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I think he faked his death and and wanted to sort of get away from the Batman thing and he's done what he, he set out to do. That's probably my favorite thing of Rises is that he set out what he wanted to do with Batman Begins and create a symbol, right? That like and so if if John Blake is taking over the mantle of that, he's, you know, they don't know that Batman's not still out, still out there. You know, you assume that he's taking up the mantle of Batman. And so it's going to keep going. And he's just like this this crusader for Gotham City that's always out there lurking in the shadows, even though Bruce Wayne himself, it's, it's almost like the Phantom, right? That's sort of what they built up like the Phantom to do, where it was like this generation of heroes where it was like passed down father to son. And uh, but but criminals don't know that they think it's just some immortal ghost that's out there like, you know, taking them down. Um, so I, I that's probably my favorite, like just full circle thing that, that Nolan did with, with rises. I still think he died. I can't be the only one that thinks he, he dies. I think, you're the only one. I think Alfred okay. at the end is seeing what he wants to see. <laughs> you're just saying that Alfred's senile. Yeah. No, I just think, that's what we're saying, yeah, mate. <laughs> maybe I am. Um, but I just think that's, that's Alfred's perfect ending that, I don't know. I mean, you you know what? Maybe it, it's definitely open for interpretation. But I'm incredibly still. stupid, and I you know I take things on. No, what's shown in front of me? He's dead. <laughs> Maybe, but then they do set that that little bit like oh, the is it the auto control was being dis- uh, disarmed, and then eventually I honestly, you find out. I I th- I look at it as like Bruce Wayne has faked his death. And that was his, I mean, you know, Alfred's talked about that little cafe that he wants to retire to. And I think that was Bruce Wayne's way of just letting Alfred, if anybody else know, I'm okay. And I'm living the life that I want to live now. And I, and I think that that was sort of his nod for Alfred. And I don't think he did it for anybody else. I think it was just for Alfred. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Okay. That's what I think too. (laughs) I'm sure the internet thinks that as well. I do got another little, little question for you which is is there a been a franchise that there's two ways of looking at this that you liked at the beginning and then it got rubbish and then it came back to being liked or you hated it at the beginning but you came around to liking it you can either one of those it's a tough question question. this is the franchise question i would say because yeah 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 i'm i'm it's hmm that's a tough question because i haven't really thought about it but as far as a, I never hated it, I, I'll go in preface and say I've never hated this franchise, but I think that it has continuously gotten better is Mission Impossible. I think that like yes. that is a like the first one's great, but it, the first couple really like they feel like 90s action movies. Oh, right? yeah. Like they're they're dated. But Tom yeah. Cruise has just kept like raising the bar on those and those movies are insane. So that's probably the one that I would say that I, I didn't hate it, but it's definitely gotten better as it's gone. Yeah. Along. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Is probably fast and furious for the other ones. Like I really <laughs> like the earlier fast and furious movies, but as yeah, they have become more and more ridiculous, I, 
I've sort of like, I mean, I can enjoy them for what they are, but there is a part of me that misses the Fast and Furious movies being about actual street racing. Yeah, I feel like that. I like, I think the first Fast and Furious movie was Point Break with Cars. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't get better. It's, it's, it's ace. It's so good. It's speaking of Point Break, what a great movie. Oh my God, oh. I love Point Break. Then Too, too Fast, Too Furious, not, not so good. And then th- th- I think Tokyo Drift is great. Tokyo and Drift is a bit forgettable. Yeah, I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I really kind of checked out after Tokyo Drift. Like I've seen them, but, uh, but the, yeah, yeah, it's like a one time, and then I'm like, I'm good. I don't need to rewatch it again, sort of thing. And then five, the whole world just goes crazy. It gets, well, yeah, it just gets, <laughs> it gets crazy. Do you reckon when they read they revamp this franchise once Vin Diesel's? I don't know, done with it or whatever. No, I don't think so. I think you don't they'll go they, back there or they'll no, go Super Spice. I think they might have spin-offs. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, obviously they already have with Hobbs and Shaw, but but I I think they will, we might see some spin-offs without Vin Diesel. But I I think Vin Diesel's the only reason why it's still going. I think that <laughs> yeah. Vin Diesel's just so passionate about it that I think he is the the soul of that franchise. And so I think when Vin Diesel's gone, nah, I don't I, I don't see them rebooting Fast and Furious. I I, I just don't. I don't know who's going to jump aboard that's as passionate about it as Vin Diesel is. Do you not reckon they'll go no. back to the beginning and just have street racing and then slowly build up again to another ridiculous... Uh... <laughs> I think what will happen, it will be like Dial of Destiny and in like 15 years' time when Vin yeah. Diesel's decrepit and old, he'll come back and for one last go. Yeah, I think I think he, <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to have like a son or something that he's training to be a street racer and we can maybe see it come full circle that way. Uh, but... But no, I don't. I don't see Fast and Furious movies being rebooted. Compl- I, I could be wrong. I mean, it's Hollywood, and everybody, you know, they reboot everything eventually. But hmm. um, no, I don't. I don't see it happening without Vin. What about the Mission Impossible ones without Tom Cruise? That's. A, I don't. I just. That, that's. I think that sort of the same thing applies. I think that he's just so integrated into that that franchise. That I mean, I I think the whole reason that it works is because of Tom. Oh, so hundred percent. I, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's another one that I don't see you doing at least not doing well without Tom. I mean, now the movies are becoming even more notorious for what what death defying stunt is Tom yeah. going to do in this movie? <laughs> yeah, Mission Impossible movies are basically Tom Cruise going right. I've got this cool idea of the way I'm going to try and kill myself. Uh, let's build a movie around. Yeah. It. It's a, it's a whole story <laughs> built around some insane thing that Tom Cruise is going to do. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, and so I think that without Tom, I don't, I really don't, I don't think you've got a franchise on your hands. There's no other actor willing to chuck themselves off something because I remember it was it ghost protocol when they brought in Jeremy Renner, there, there was rumors that they were going to try and hand over the franchise to him. Well, I know they tried to do that with Jeremy Renner and Jason Bourne. Yeah, right? I mean, let's see. So, well. um, but one, yeah, I, I think that it's really, I think it's really hard to to spin off these franchises to you know actors that aren't you know integral to it from the get go, unless you just do a complete reboot. And I think that that only works with like certain, you know, characters that we have had access to for 60 70 years like batman or spider-man or those guys you know i, I think that yeah. characters there's certain characters that have been around so long that i think they become like our version of shakespeare right they're they're like our like every actor just wants to do their version of that character but but when when a franchise is built from the ground up like a you know i know mission impossible was originally a 
a, a spy show in the 60s but nobody you know nobody alive is remembering that you know no we're not watching we're not going back and watching old episodes of Mission Impossible from the 60s. <laughs> no. A Mission Impossible the TV show is nothing like Mission Impossible now. It's like it's like the first movie. It's like espionage, you know. I think it's got to <laughs> yeah. be a character that like audiences like like they know instinctively. Like I think that's in fact I th- I, I was having this conversation the other day about how I think where the Marvel messed up with Phase 4 was assuming that they could sort of do like in Spider-Man um, for Civil War, like they introduced Spider-Man, no origin. He's just there. And we loved it. Everybody loved it. Great but you didn't have to show that origin again, right? Because we'd already seen it several times. We knew about it from the comic books. We knew about it from cartoons. It had just been, you know, for the 50 or 60 years, we all, it is just ingrained into society and our culture. But then I think they tried to do that through various movies in phase four with these other characters like America Chavez or Riri Williams, or they tried to introduce them, these characters that these new characters, they're sprinkling them in everywhere without giving them a proper origin and audiences don't care about them because we don't know them. You know what I mean? So we don't instinctively just know who these characters are. And so I think that they thought they could get away with that. And I just don't think audiences are here for it. No. Do you think there's a way uh... Marvel will improve again or yeah but they have to go back to their original formula right they have to they have to start doing one-off films um that really get audiences used to who these characters are um I think Marvel did a brilliant thing with especially they didn't have access to Spider-Man originally they didn't have X-Men they didn't have Fantastic Four so they really took like their B players I sort of liken it to like like pro wrestling standards where it's like they took their mid card and yeah. they like they they did a brilliant job making them main eventers right they turned those guys into household names where the Avengers are now just as big as your Batmans and your Spider-Mans and all that stuff like they're huge but I think that then when that those guys retired right you're you getting rid of Iron Man and Black Widow and these these characters that you've built up and turned into household names but now they're taking like their opening act right they're taking their guys that are like the characters that are you know in comic books you know 10 15 years old which is like that's babies you know those are babies by comic book standards like most mainstream audiences have no clue who these characters are and then they're trying to push them up to main event status and it's just too big of a jump you just can't you know i i just don't think they're buying it and so i think you have to go back to the original formula i think that you have if you want to build up a character that audiences haven't seen that origin over and over like a batman or a spider-man you you gotta you gotta give audiences something that they can sort of chew on like uh like you know guardians of the galaxy like we didn't know who any of them were but you know james gunn just handled that so i mean just perfection right it's just so good and we all love them now and uh i think that that's that's sort of the setup that you have to do you just you have to introduce a new character uh via their own movie and and really do i mean i mean you have to knock it out of the park it has to be an excellent movie and that's what James Gunn's doing at DC, isn't it now? Mm-hmm. I think Pretty so. Much. Yeah, I feel like yeah. It's just saying, then, like my son now, like Iron Man is like a main superhero to him. Whereas to me, Iron Man was a guy who occasionally turned up in Spider Man comics. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Same. You know, I, it yeah. wasn't like I. Am, you know, I, some... I have like boxes of Spider Man comics, and I have like three or four Iron Man comics from my childhood. I was, I, same, but I was that way with all the Avengers. Like the Avengers were always like sort of backup characters to me in my childhood. That's how they came across. 
they were backup characters. And then the reason they became Avengers is because Marvel went, oh, we've got all these backup characters. What if we put them all together? Maybe they'll become like yeah. a, a thing. So yeah, that's, that's sort of how it happened, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, brought it all together. But yeah, uh, Spider-Man for me was always the big Marvel character. Me too. And yeah, X-Men. Was... I liked X-Men a lot. I was a Wolverine guy growing up. I oh loved, yeah. I loved me some Wolverine. How, how do you that's... feel about what they're doing over, over at Sony with the uh, the, the bad the good bad guys, the bad guys of Spider-Man. The worst. I hate it. I hate it. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm dreading having to watch that Craven the Hunter that movie. <laughs> Venom is fun because of Tom Hardy's performance. Yeah, he like, goes to he, yeah. he makes it fun, but the formula of here's here's the Spider-Man villain here, but here is a new villain that's got the same powers as that person, but we're just going to make them a little more evil. So these guys are more like anti-heroes. It doesn't work for me. I don't like it. And, I, you know, we've done it. We did it with, there was that with Venom, you know, twice in two movies, they had that. And now they've, they've done it with, uh, with Morbius. there's a worse vampire. And now we're going to see it with Craven, where it's like, there's a, like, yeah, he's bad, but there's a worse guy out here. Like I'm over it. Like I hate that formula. <laughs> Craven's one of my favorite Spider-Man baddies and I I can't bring myself to watch this movie. I just want like if you if you're going to I'm fine with making a movie about a villain but just make him a villain. Just yeah, let please. him be a villain. Like that's yeah. that's what I want. You don't have to make me root for this guy. Make me hate him. That's a, there's a lot of fun in that too. Like yeah. you know, I so I want Craven to be a mad and, Russian. And Venom, I think <laughs> Venom is a little bit like he sort of transitions into a good guy in the comic book. So that's yeah. always, that's a little bit there, but these other guys they're trying to do it with. No, no, no. I don't, no. don't give it to, I don't want it. Like no. nobody's asking for it. I don't want it. What was your dream sequel? Dream sequel uh, yep. that we'll never get. And I hope we don't get it at this point. Honestly, I'd rather oh. it be a one and done big trouble in little China. Oh, you've changed. Okay. Did I, was, did I say something else? You said it Robocop. You said, you said Robocop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robocop yeah. is a, a Robocop is Let's one. Let's do both. Still, we could do both. I would still yeah, take, would still take Robocop, especially like a direct sequel that sort of like skips past, you know, two or three or whatever. And do you not like and, two? Nah, it's okay. But one is just so good though. The the problem with two is that two I don't think really lands the satire in the same way that the first one does. I mean, Paul Verhoeven is, I mean, I, I, where one, I think like has this, it's the grotesque prosthetics and it's, I mean, everything's, it's so good about it. I would say Robocop is also like a near perfect, like action movie. But uh, I think that Robocop two thought, well, let's just up the, like, let's up the language and let's up, you know, the, it sort of falls into that sequel of trap of like, we've got to do more, more, more without understanding what it was, what the components were about the first one that made it so brilliant. Yeah. 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 It's like, let's make the baddie a kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> no, it, it, it and, and, and I mean, all the villains in Robocop one are just so good. I mean, every one of them, I mean, it's the whole gang of them are, they're just fantastic. Um, so I, I would like, you know, if for somebody, I would love a director who understands that about Robocop to really like, uh, tackle that, especially while Dr. Peter Weller is still around and, and, and with us. Can we quickly talk about Robocop three? Because we watched that today. Uh, and that is f- fucking atrocious, by the way. That is, 
it, I don't like Robocop it's 3 at all. It's so boring and it has none of I that. I mean, he can't fly, so that's, I guess that's cool. But... Oh, good. It's none of that fun. <laughs> I think that's, that's the worst bit of it. It is. is. It's, when he's like it's flying through the air, like, oh, God. Like a kite, almost. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, Big Trouble in Little China is for me like um like I love everything about that movie, and it is Kurt Russell's the coolest dude in it. Um, yeah, I just I love it so much, and I think that that's a a movie that you, the this John Carpenter does such a great job world building in that movie that you know you could have. I mean, you could have jumped in there and done anything. In fact, if you'd made that today, there's no way that it wouldn't be just a hit franchise. But um, but now at this point, I don't want to reboot. I don't want them to remake it. I just <laughs> like leave it alone. It's a perfect 80s movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a grown up, I'm still a big yeah, John yeah. Carpenter fan. But yeah, no, I yeah, no, I love John Carpenter. He, he, that man rarely does wrong in my eyes. It's, it's a great man. And Kurt Russell, I like about uh, that film. Big trouble in Little China. Yep, um, is that he's <laughs> right, he's yeah. useless in it pretty much. As in, he's such a great <laughs> action. He he's so what a breath of fresh air when it comes to action heroes in that movie because he gets shown up by everybody. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he's but he's but he's also but he's still got the bravado. You know, he he really remind. That's one reason why I thought he was like perfect casting as Chris Pratt's dad because I think Star Lord's got a lot of Kurt Russell energy in Big Trouble in Little mm. China. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if I gave you a time machine, uh, when would you want your big, big trouble in Little China sequel to be? What what era? Oh, um, well, big trouble in Little China. What was that? Eighty six. Eighty six. Yeah. yeah. Um, give give it to me in eighty nine. Let's do it. Let's 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 follow it right up. I don't know. I don't know how you follow it. Up. I'm not saying that I even like can. I don't know how, like, I mean, it does wrap everything up perfectly, but, yeah. you know, but some, somehow Lopan returning or the three storms returning or some new, uh, you know, Chinese black magic thing. I think you could have had a lot of fun with, with that. I think that even, you know, even getting away from the Chinese black magic stuff, if you just fought, what's Jack Burton up to, right? Yeah, like yeah. where's the next place yeah. that he goes? I mean, he's a truck driver. So like, you know, I, I, I think that could have been fun. I, I, I could be big trouble somewhere else, couldn't it? Exactly. Big, like, big trouble in wherever, you know, but yeah, you could have had a, just a, a whole Belgium. host of big trouble movies. <laughs> We've got little Venice in London. Yeah. It's a canal. That's a, yeah. Big trouble at the Eiffel Tower. I don't know, whatever, you know, you could have done anything. That'd be brilliant. How do you feel about these legacy sequels? Because we're now in this era that they're trying to drag out everything. Yeah. I think like anything, I, th- I, if it's good, you know, if you've got a good story for it, I, I support it. I've seen, I've seen good ones and I've seen ones that I think are, are not so good, you know? So it just, it really depends. I, I don't want to say that I hate the idea of them because like Top Gun Maverick, I think is better than Top Gun. Um, but then you've got movies that really, they just formulaically repeat the original and I, you know, and Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So it's hard for me to say. But um, overall, I overall I like them. If they don't like, I loved Cobra Kai, but now I'm to a point where it's like we can be done with Cobra Kai. Like yeah. we're like four or five seasons <laughs> deep. Like we don't have to keep this. This cow's getting dry, you know. Like yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that's I, I I love some of them. Some of them I don't. Uh, it's just but but I think it just apply like. 
I'm sort of that way with like superhero fatigue, right? It's like, I don't think there's such a thing as super, I mean, there is a thing as superhero fatigue, but I think it's all based on the quality of the movie. Mm. I think that, mm. you know, I've been burnt out on superheroes for a little while now, but then as soon as I saw Guardians 3, I loved it. Like no superhero That's fatigue true. for that. And same with Across the Spider-Verse. I, you know, if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. There's not, you know, yeah. and I, so that's how I feel about it. I just think that if you're going to make something, just make sure it's quality. So if there was a new Ro- RoboCop and it was quality, you'll be happy. But I would love, yes, I would love it. If it's quality, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that RoboCop reboot was not good. No. What? Well, that even had. Uh, <laughs> there were there were things about it that I admired, but I but I th- there was some cool stuff in it, but overall, it's pretty forgettable. Was it the design of the suit? Did you hate that, or was that? Okay. I did. I did. I did not like the black suit. I liked when he had the silver suit. Like he has the silver suit, and I thought that was cool. But then they decided mm. to like make it like more Batman esque, and I I I don't really care for that. But. I think I think there's certain elements about I think the what I didn't like about that Robocop was they tried to make it PG thirteen. Oh and I yeah. Think, yeah. I think there are elements of like if you're gonna you have to stay true to what fans of the original really love. And there are certain elements like here's the things that you can change. It's like the Spider-Verse talking about canon events, right? It's like, here's the elements that you have to keep. Here's the elements you can sort of tinker with a little bit. And 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 the fact that they like try to make it PG-13 was like, that's, it was like trying to take child's play and, and you know, make that into a PG-13. Re- I was like, nah, that's okay. No. I don't need this. Give me 500 exploding blood packs. and Yeah. Like, you know, no, if you don't have somebody blowing Robocop's hand off with a shotgun, not interested. I think yeah. people forget how oh, violent yeah. Robocop is now. <laughs> they really do. And what's funny is that I grew up on that, like the made-for-TV version of that movie. Like my my dad had like filmed it on TV or something <laughs> on a VHS. So I'm, I always watch it with like commercials and stuff in between and it's like heavily edited so i didn't see the like the 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 unedited director's cut until i was like i don't know i was probably like 21 or 22 and when i watched it i was like this is amazing this is the best movie i've ever seen i had no idea that it was so violent but yeah robocop i mean it's robocop is violent i mean it was almost like nc-17 i mean like that, that that's how that's how gory that movie is do you think they can make it fit like that now like could they I mean, yeah, I you can make it. It could, yeah, it you wouldn't can, make you, a fortune. In you you can make it. You thing. just have to. You just have to accept the fact that like the, this is a movie that's going to have a limited audience. Um, but also, you know, there was a time when we were making. You know, companies were making money off of you know DVD and Blu-ray sales and things like that. But now, you know, there's so much physical media that's not even being made yeah. anymore. Or they're just and, deleting it now. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're putting it up on the streaming sites. And then as soon as it doesn't get an audience in 30 days, they just wipe it away, you know, so they don't pay residuals. So well, crazy times we're living in. And which is why, you know, writers are on strike. It's why the actors are probably about to be on strike. And, you know, we just we got a we got a lot of we got a lot of work to do to get Hollywood back up and running properly. It's tough doing a movie podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Those were Chris Killian's unequal sequels. Can you tell that he likes comic books a bit? He's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it weird the day we speak to him, in the evening, he's mm. going to go and watch Terminator 2 Judgment Day on cinema. Yeah, it's pretty it's like, cool. It's like when worlds collide and it's all meant to be. And it was just Absolutely. Yeah, it was, and it's it really nice to get our, our second American guest on. So, yeah, all the way from Nashville. 
that's, all the way from Nashville. That's pretty impressive, man. I know, that's, that's in America. That's global reach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you for Chris for letting us talk to you um, and giving us your time. You're a very busy man and uh, the man's been working very hard recently. Just before the writer's strike, he had to get a lot in before it yes. all went all went yeah. dark. Talking of dark, he, uh, Dark Night and Dark Night Rises. What? Sorry, Link. A th- what a link, Rich. <laughs> I don't think you get enough. It's that radio sometimes. training coming in there, mate. Oh, That's God. what it is. Anyway, yes, go on. <laughs> so yeah, best sequel, Dark Knight. Worst sequel, Dark Knight Rises. That was a ride. Mm, absolutely. Not only was it his worst sequel, it was disappointing and worse. It was one of them when they yeah. combine it and they just can't split it. So we just like, well, let's roll with it. Let's just let's just go with it. Let's go it's with fine. it. Um, yeah. yeah, he hates it, and uh, that's fine. And the disappointment's all there. But it's. Is this the first Dark Knight this season on season five? I believe it is. It's isn't the it? first Dark Knight on season five. Yeah, see, it, it once comes a season, up once a season, guaranteed. I think if we had, I think maybe season three was Dark Knight three, but every other season really? we've had the Dark Knight. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I think it is now. Um, Maybe the most picked. Rich is checking our spreadsheet. Cause well, we, we had it twice list. in season one, didn't we? Wow. So Sean Walsh and Lewis Arnold in season one. And then we had it again in season two. Emily Murray picked it in season two. Then season three, didn't get a dark night. Wow. So, but then we did. Back in season four, uh, Jamal Ford Robinson, he picked it for his best sequel. And then back, obviously, season five, Chris Killian. So he's in some really good company there. So four picks now for that. Is that the most? Can you tell me? Oh, it's five picks. Five picks? Five picks. Oh, yes, because two and so, first. yeah, I think it is the most. Yeah. Fair enough. So. Well, you know, we'll, we'll hand a trophy to Chris Nolan or something at some point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we're going to do in this kind of thing, but congratulations, Chris. We won't mention that you also, yeah. Chris Nolan's other yeah. sequel was the worst one. Don't we won't yeah. tell him that when we, we won't mention when we meet him. And then... Uh, and then RoboCop. For, well, it kind of too, wasn't it? It was RoboCop and Big Trouble in Little China, which he surprised mm. us with at the same point. Yeah, which is yeah, both both very good choices. Also, when talking about it, it also sounds like he wouldn't want a dream sequel either of them, and he would just like to have them as they are. So, kind of what get a ride! That. Like, you know, I, I I sort of understand that. I'm I'm kind of. I know I do a sequel podcast, and so this is not the right thing to say, but I think of all my favourite movies, I can't think of any that I want a sequel for. <laughs> I can think of one, but we can't talk about it until next week. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, Thank there you. is one. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out what that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, go check out Chris on comicbook.com. He's on Twitter. Uh, he's on Instagram, TikTok. Very funny man. Brilliant interviewer. Uh asks a lot about sequels and uh so i i really follow him for that he gets the big scoops just got the big scoop from gal gadot that she that she is gonna do uh, a wonder woman free apparently no one else knew i'm not sure james gunn knows either but it's happening <laughs> well he knows now because we yeah. know he listens so, yeah he you know, does he yeah. knows um and yeah talking of like twitter and tiktok and all that sort of stuff whilst you're over there checking out chris's stuff you can uh check out our stuff too because we're on all the social medias uh we are at unequal sequel on twitter or whatever the hell that's called now uh we're on threads we're on instagram and we're on letterboxd and we're on tiktok 
Who knew that was a thing? But there we are. We're on TikTok as well. And whilst you're on social media checking us out, if you've just joined us because you're a big fan of Chris's, uh, maybe you're new to the podcast, you've joined us from comicbook.com, then uh, go back and listen to our other, all our other episodes. They are brilliant. See if you can find our other American guest, um, yeah, who joined us from from uh, over in the states. Um, yeah, go back, give them all a listen, hit the little subscribe button, hit the auto download button, and we'll drop into your popular choice every single week. If you really, really love us, you want more stuff from us get yourself onto another slice.com forward slash unequal sequel where you can pay 2.99 just 2.99 a month for our subscription service you'll get a sequel to every interview episode which means even more chris and you'll also get box set mentality and disenfranchised two extra podcasts from us as well as extra reviews trailer breakdowns all sorts of things that we should be doing on there um so make sure you check that out and yeah whilst you're there if you want to send us an email we are unequalsequel at hotmail.com let us know what you thought of chris's choices we'll read out everything you say in our end of month roundup special which will be this week coming oh yeah yeah so get it in quick quick (laughs) we might have already recorded it but we'll read it on the next month if so so That's how it works. Uh, well done again, Rich. Brilliant job. Well done. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to Chris for being on the podcast. Uh, it took a while for us to uh, sync up because, like I said, he's a busy man, but and he gave us his time, and we really appreciate that. Absolutely, and also like time differences are challenging as well. Oh, aren't they, right? it was difficult, but we found a moment and we smashed it, and it's a great interview. I've got nothing else to say. I feel like I'm rambling. So I'm just going to stop and just say bye, bye. Uh, and then the big man's going to say bye. Bye. And then I'm going to say the bit that I always say, which is uh, see you next week. The sequel to this week. Have a great week. Bye bye. Lovely. Can't believe we've got only got one more episode left. One more big episode next week. Oh, man. Episode 12. And then season six is already looking juicy. Can't wait for that. Yeah, let's let's get that going. Get that cooking.